What do you want to do today after? Something refreshing. I know that's really vague, but... Hey, babe. Yeah, babe? Remember that time we watched The Blair Witch Project? You mean the movie that made me want to keep lights on last night when I fell asleep? Yeah. Yes, that one. (laughs) (laughs) You're lucky I can sleep through anything. Uh, Guys, uh, uh, found footage is my kryptonite when it comes to horror films. It freaks me out to no end. Yeah, it really is. It's it's freaky. It's funny because it's one of my absolute favorites. It's not. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like it. It's but it's also just like it truly scares me. I feel like I've been kind of desensitized to a lot of things, but found footage kind of always gets me. It's your nice little refresh point. Yeah, I mean, it's good because I I, I feel like I I'm happy I can still feel things like terror. You know, I'm Nicole. I am Topher. And we're the horror babes here to bring horror right to you. Yes. That's right, folks. We're talking about The Blair Witch Project. came out in 1999 at the uh, Sundance Film Festival, and a lot of people hated it. So yeah. we're going ta- <laughs> to talk about that. That's the main, uh, the main uh, point that we're going to talk about today. But, of course, before that, we're going to talk about um, who made it. We're going to go into the plot, and then we'll go into a deeper analysis of the film. Yeah. So who made this thing, Topher? Well, several people, but not that many. Uh, it's very, very small cast and crew. Mm-hmm. As, again, a lot of indie productions are. I mean, the mo- the largest department was the sound department and other crew. Got it. So it was written and directed by the duo Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would not know much of their other work. This is their biggest piece by far. Yeah. They did, you know, a short about the curse of the Blair Witch around the time this came out. Uh, They did another documentary about the legend of the Blair Witch Mm -hmm. also in this year. It was all sort of like everything they did was kind of around this. Got it. Uh, Eduardo Sanchez, same situation, although he has been seen more than Daniel Merrick. Mm-hmm. Most notably, I think you would say probably VHS 2. Oh, yeah. He did a ride in the park, which is a great, great segment of that one. Mm-hmm. And he does, you know, he he pops in for some TV series, directorial bits. Uh, Supernatural is another famous one that he's been a part of. Queen of the South. But that's basically it. Yeah. Everybody on this really just has not worked much since then, uh, which is a little sad. You know, I, I hate to hear that folks aren't working as much as they used to. Yeah, and especially with um, an, an indie indie production, too. Yeah, um, you really wish that they could make... I mean, this movie made $250 million worldwide. Yeah. It's wild to think that they didn't continue to do more. Totally. Um, cinematography was done by Neil Fredericks. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a little weird because we are going to talk about how the actors filmed everything themselves, for the most part. Yeah. But he was basically their coach through everything. Yeah, I believe they filmed everything except for those interviews you see in the beginning. Yeah. With like the town, the townsfolk or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when they're in the woods, the actors filmed everything. But I would imagine you would always want to have at least like a supervising. You know, you've got to get you've right. got to get the footage that you need to get. Exactly. You know. So beyond that crew, the only cast is Heather Donahue. Joshua Leonard and Michael C. Williams as fictionalized versions of themselves. I was about to say that's that's kind of a nice touch that they didn't have character names because it plays into the illusion that this is a yeah. true story. Yes. So that was a smart smart tactic for sure. Right. The only other named character we have in the film is Mary Brown, played by Patricia Deku. 
Mm-hmm. And she's the sort of crazy old lady that they meet. And she's the one holding the Bible outside of the trailer. That is such an interesting scene. It's a very cool one. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. It's very eerie. I mean, the whole thing is eerie. But that one. Right. That one really gets you there. <laughs> uh, it's funny because that woman was uh, a member of the art department. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. She was credited credited as the art technician. So I love that. I, I think it's a fun little thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting because this is just such a one hit wonder sort of thing for most people Yeah, involved in it. Mm-hmm. And that I think, I don't know, it plays into sort of the legacy and the legend of the film itself. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, that's so, really all I have on. Yeah, very on, tight cast and crew. Mm-hmm. Um, Great. So, I mean, plot is not going to take us very long. There's no, not, I'm pretty sure I could do it in 30 seconds. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's not not incredibly too much that happens because this movie kind of relies on just like the eerie, spooky, because you don't, it's things that you hear. It's things, yeah. that, it's not things that you see. Most of this movie is like in the dark. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, for Horror Babes purposes, we will still go through and discuss the plot. Of course we will, because we're professionals. Damn it, I'm a professional. Well, I'm a doctor. No, wait. Drop out. <laughs> they both start with DR. Or abbreviated. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Whatever. I can uh, spell. So, it is October 1994. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. That's not how we're going to start this. The film kicks off with a very important thing. And yes. that is, the film starts out with white text over a black background stating that in October of 1994, three film students... Heather Donahue, Mike Williams, and Josh Leonard set out to make a documentary about the legend of the Blair Witch in the Black Hills out in Maryland. Mm -hmm. They were never heard from again. The footage you are about to see is a sort of like combination of the tapes that we found in a bag in the woods documenting their final days. Mm -hmm. Really sets the tone. Yeah. Yeah. It pretty much tells you exactly what you're in for. So... Yeah, this, the, the beginning of this movie is Heather and Josh hanging out, getting ready to head out to pick up their friend Mike. It's really fun to watch yeah. if you it's really fun to watch if you have some sort of nostalgia for the 90s because very much so we've got like just everyone is so quintessentially 90s like they literally look like they jumped out of like scream like all of yes. the all of the fashion the her like long brown hair. And I don't know. Like it's no makeup. No makeup. Yeah. Baggy jeans. Yeah. And like the guy with the, the longer hair. That's um, Josh. Yeah. Josh yeah, is the Josh one with the ponytail. With the ponytail. And like, then you've got Mike who kind of looks like a, a heavier set like Shane West. And like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I hadn't put that together. He totally does look like Shane West. It's just funny because like, especially if you're watching it today, because I think a lot of people in in our age group, do, they, they do have um, a strong nostalgia for the 90s, but we weren't quite old enough to see. Like, we didn't see this in theaters. No. Um, I saw the trailer in theaters ahead of Phantom Menace. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. A little, it's a little too much for that. But, um, but yeah, so I think it's kind of actually really fun to watch as someone who w- grew up in the 90s, but was too young for anyone to let them watch something like the Blair Witch Project. Yes. Yeah, I definitely get strong, like my older cousins or like my friends, older siblings vibes from this group. Yeah, it's like we've we've got Shane West, we've got um, what's that guy from Lord of Dogtown? 
That's the long, the long, the long blonde hair guy, and Alanis Morissette. You know what I mean? Like that's basically who we've got, like going out into the woods. <laughs> Sorry, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Jagged Little Pill lately. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> that album is fire front to back. I, I mean, yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, we've got our little '90s crew heading out. Yep. Easily could be mistaken for a Seattle grunge band. Definitely. Yeah, that hits the nail on the head. I should have said Kurt Cobain. For the long hair. Yeah, he he's got some... Really, I mean, he's not It's as only hot. the hair. It's only the hair. Yeah, and the general scruffiness. Yeah, and the fashion. But yeah. his face doesn't look like Kurt Cobain. Nah, he's just a blonde white dude who's short. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Heather, Mike, and Josh are setting out to make this documentary about the Blair Witch. Uh, she's a local legend outside of Burkittsville, Maryland. Mm-hmm. So... We see them sort of on the road, heading there, hanging out in a motel, interviewing resident, like interviewing locals about the legend of the Blair Witch and all of that. And they meet the aforementioned Mary Brown, mm-hmm. who tells them the most that they learn about the Blair Witch and how she said she encountered her one day. And it was like this shaggy, hairy, half human, half animal sort of disgusting crone hag thing mm-hmm. and sort of points them towards... The uh, legend of of Rustin Parr, who was a hermit who lived in the woods and kidnapped seven children in the 40s, supposedly killing all of them on the orders of the witch. Uh, Mary Brown also points them to the right spot in the woods where they come upon these two fishermen. And these guys are perfect, by the way. Yeah. Straight Tucker and Dale vibes. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, And they're looking for Coffin Rock. Yeah. And they mention that to the fishermen. And they're like, look, y'all, this these woods are fucking haunted, man. Uh, the older guy is a little reticent to talk for a while mm-hmm. until he finally tells them of a young girl named Robin Weaver who went missing in 1888. When she returned three days later, she talked about, quote, an old woman whose feet never touched the ground, ground, end quote. But tells them that Coffin Rock is about a 20-minute hike. There's an easy old loggers trail that they can take. Mm-hmm. So they do hike to Coffin Rock, and Heather does this very performative <laughs> reading from oh, this yeah. book she has. We were laughing because we were like, damn, if they actually made this documentary, it was about to suck. Yep. Because it's so <laughs> cheesy. It's ridiculous. It's totally like first or second year film students who think they're onto something brilliant and really just, and it's it's just garbage. It's so heavy handed. It's, yeah. it's crazy. When do, when do they talk to the blonde woman with the child? That's during the locals segment. Because I'm trying to, I was trying to remember because they, so... When it premiered in theaters, a lot mm-hmm. of people didn't really like the ending because they were like so confused and it, it just didn't make sense to a lot of people. So right. they ended up going back and adding in an interview that kind of explains the ending if you remember yes. it. But I was trying to figure out, I didn't know that until like this morning. Right. Um, so I was trying to think back to what interview they might have added. I couldn't find that information, but I'm sure like next time I watch it, I'll. I think it, it is the interview with the woman. With the blonde woman yeah, and the who child. Has a child. Yeah, because she's the one who mentions the people standing in the corner. That, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because because I was kind of waiting for you to for you to say say that because I don't remember that specific interview, but that's why they added that in because in the end, you know, Mike is yeah. standing in the corner. Spoilers. Oh. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you like. Also, it's been out since like the night. It's a 21 year old film. Yeah, yes, like chill. <laughs> it can drink now. It can drink now. So, 
so should you <laughs> when you're watching this. Yeah, it's definitely uh, helpful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the, the piece that Heather reads, Standing on Coffin Rock, is about five men who were found ritualistically murdered back in the 19th century. And then they, when the people came to recover the bodies, the bodies were gone. Mm-hmm. And it describes them as having been dismembered and re- repositioned into a strange symbol. Yeah. Keep that in mind for later. Mm-hmm. So they are out camping in the woods and... As they're hiking through the next day, they find an old cemetery just randomly in the middle of the woods, which is very accurate for Appalachia. I spent a lot of time living in and around Appalachia and Mm -hmm. hiking in and around Appalachia. And you will just find random old little cemeteries in the middle of the woods. Right. It it does seem off-putting for someone who wouldn't know that. So that's that's good intel. No, definitely. (laughs) I, I have found no fewer than like six different cemeteries in the woods of Kentucky. Interesting. It's fucking terrifying yeah, every time it, was... it happens. It's never comforting. It's never. It, it always just freaks me out. It makes sense. I mean, it, it kind of seems out of place, especially when you grow up somewhere where it, they're they're very particularly placed, like yes. in the back of a funeral home or a right. church or you know, like whatever. Yeah, I mean, like in New York, we have such limited real estate. You have to go out to Queens, <laughs> or there's one up the street. Yeah, but there's one up the block from us. But but it's you plot it out. It's not just like right. You know, you don't just find them. In you the don't woods. just find you them. don't find yeah. them in the middle of Central Park or Riverside or something. God, actually, you probably could. Yeah, you probably could find some creepy shit. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're kicking around the cemetery and they find seven small cairns. Uh, so if you don't know what a cairn is, it's just a stack of small rocks mm-hmm. done in different sorts of ways. It typically marks there's there's a lot of folklore with cairns, supposedly like like leprechauns and fairies would build them in Celtic myth. There's other ones in like. German myth. Uh, they, they exist all around the world. Uh, there's a bunch of Buddhist myths about cairns and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's an easy way to mark a place. Hikers, a lot of t- these days, a lot, hikers use them to mark trails. Yeah. Or like p- points of interest or things to watch out for. Also, hippies love building them. <laughs> they're always <laughs> they're rocks. Every, yeah. They're everywhere around Boulder. Gotcha. One of them, I can't remember if it's Mike. It's Mike, yeah. Uh, Mike knocks one of them over mm-hmm. and that's when shit starts going down oh. so that night they start hearing twigs snapping outside of the tent and they try to hike back to the car because they're a little freaked out and they're like you know what we think we have everything let's just go yeah uh, but they can't find it before dark and they make camp again that night they hear more twigs and in the morning they find three cairns built around their tent <laughs> heather can't find her map and they walk around all day. She makes him give her the compass. And they're like, look, if we just go south, we'll get out of the woods. Just keep going south. Yeah. But they don't get out of the woods. It's dark. There's shit everywhere. They keep finding just and hearing things. Mike is like lost it by this point. And it's like, yeah, fucking kick that map in the creek. You didn't have any fucking clue what you were doing with it. So I kicked that motherfucker into the creek. And just oh, is like God. dying laughing while he's saying all of this. And that, oh my God. And then they just fucking lose it on him. Yeah. They both just like smack him so hard. Just screaming like, (laughs) what the fuck? Yeah. So that's when they keep deciding to go south. And they do find a bunch of humanoid looking stick figures suspended from trees. Yeah. This part, like, I see a bundle of sticks and I'm just like, nope. Yep. I saw some outside of my apartment, like right after I watched this for the first time, I just saw, like it wasn't like tied up or anything, but it was just like someone had clearly like snapped some sticks, 
put them together and like put them in one of those like the fences that surround the trees yeah. on like Central Park North. Someone had just like placed one there. I was like, this didn't just naturally get here. No. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they just they have to camp again and start hearing crazy sounds again that night. Mm-hmm. Um, they hear children laughing. They hear twigs snapping, weird winds. And then a force shakes the tent and they like fly out of the tent and like chase each other through the dark and hide in the woods until it's dawn. What the fuck is that? Yeah. What the fuck? Like, yeah, it, it just, it, it's your typical like kind of haunting thing, like where things go from like, it's like goes from microaggressions from the witch and it just like, <laughs> it, it escalates from there. So of course yeah. every night it gets worse and they get more freaked out. And then this is kind of just like the climax of it with yeah. them like running through the woods. and Yeah, definitely one of the more famous shots in this. Mm-hmm. So once dawn comes, they feel a little more secure because, you know, daylight and all that. Yeah. They get back to their tent and Heather thinks her shit has been thrown everywhere, but it's Josh's. Yeah. And, and she's equipment. like, why, is, why you? Why you? Yeah. And his shit's uh. covered with slime. They get to a river. And realize that they've walked in a circle. It's the same river they've already crossed twice. It's a heartbreaking moment. Yeah. Josh just like falls down into the, the like brush and just mm-hmm. sits there like crying. And Mike is finally kind of back in touch with his senses. Yeah. And is the one talking Heather down from yelling at him and being like, look, we are all fucking freaked out. This sucks, but we can't do this. Yeah. The next morning, Josh is gone. All yeah. his shit's there. But he's gone. Mm -hmm. Heather and Mike keep trying to find him, but they're like, look, we have to get out of these woods. So Mm -hmm. let's just go. We'll come back with people to find Josh. Yeah. They don't make it out of the woods again. (laughs) This is the the constant cycle is think you're going to make it out. Can't make it out. Think you're going to make it out. Can't make it out. Shit proceeds to get worse every single night. So, of course, they hear Josh's agonized screams. But mm-hmm. they and they go looking for him, but they can't find him. Yeah, they start believing in the witch now and thinking that she's just trying to lure them away from the tent. Yeah, and yeah. capture them too. The next morning, Heather finds that little bundle of sticks tied together with little with strips flannel. of flannel from yeah. Josh's shirt, and also more blood-soaked scraps of that sh- shirt <laughs> with teeth, hair, and a piece of his tongue. Oh God, I didn't know there was a piece of his tongue in there yeah. too. I always saw the hair and the the bloody tooth, but I didn't, ugh. Yeah, so she's freaked out, but doesn't (laughs) tell. No, really? (laughs) (laughs) But she doesn't tell Mike. Oh, yeah, she's like, I'm just going to, like, throw this over here. Yeah. And then she's like, uh, yeah, she doesn't tell Mike. And it's actually a really strong performance from her in the moment where where he's like, are you okay? Like, what happened? Are you okay? And she's, like, crying, but she's, like, putting her shit on her back. And she's just like, like, I'm fine. Let's just, like, go. Let's go. And, like... She's like, um, and it, you get like this really real moment where like, we're like, she's like, my hair's caught. And it's just like, yes. this whole, she's just like yeah. struggling. And it's like, it's so, it, it's so organic. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a huge thing that makes this film work for me is just how, how real it, it did feel like they, they achieved that. Yeah. I hate this word, but it's an authentic performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once again, they don't make it out of the woods and it's night and they're sleeping again. And Heather starts recording herself. We get a nice little selfie recording Mm -hmm. and she's just apologizing to her family, to Mike's and Josh's families, especially particularly their mothers. Yeah. Takes complete responsibility for this. She's like, this is all my fault. And it's the classic, it's the shot that everybody knows from this where it's just one quarter of her face, Mm -hmm. basically just her nose and her right eye. Yeah. And 
you can kind of see her mouth in some of the shots, but not all of them. And it's just this really, really powerful performance. Yeah. That night after she's, well, or I guess while she's recording that, they start hearing Josh uh, screaming again. And they keep following the sound of his voice until they find an abandoned house with demonic symbols and children's bloody handprints all, o- hand all over the walls. Yeah, remember that child story? All those kids going missing? Yep. Yep. So they run upstairs. They're looking everywhere. And this is this really great back and forth between the two cameras. This is where it's the clearest of like who's filming when almost. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also very confusing at the same time. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's also important to remember that there's only one microphone. Yeah. And it's it's a DAT. So it's a directional microphone. Yeah. And you don't hear audio from one of them nearby you only ever hear it from the other one that's right like you never get close-up audio of one of them yeah which is just a really cool technical moment yeah i agree mike starts thinking he's hearing josh crying from the basement and heads down there um and then you see him fall in the camera fall yeah we cut back to heather who is just completely i I don't want to use this word but uh, it's fairly applicable here. Hysterical. Yeah, I can't think of a better word. Yeah, honestly, just fully flipped her shit for a very good reason. That's what I want to be clear about. Is like, yeah. of course she did. Everybody yeah. has. Everybody yeah. would. As she gets down to this terrifying basement. Yeah, because Mike just takes off, and she's yeah. like, Mike, Mike, and it just gets more like shrieking, and yeah. just like you said, like hysterical is the only way I can really describe it because. I'm surprised she can even get words out, but she yes. that's the only word she can get mm-hmm. out is Mike. Yeah, it's 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 again fantastic performance there. Yeah. As she enters the basement, we see Mike standing in a corner. Just uh, like his, the interview from before said. Yep. His yeah. face just like straight into like a naughty child sort of situation, right? Yeah, like timeout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The same unseen force attacks Heather. She drops her camera and the footage ends. That's the movie. That's it. Bye. <laughs> We're done here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I was shocked when I heard that at first. I was shocked that people didn't respond well to this movie. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I've talked to friends of mine who are older. Like, we were talking to Matt yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, friend of the podcast, Matt Reich. You've heard him a few times on here. Yeah. And his cat, Elton John, the producer <laughs> of our podcast. Exactly. So he loved it when he saw it. But he said all of his friends just thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. And a lot of that had to do with the marketing of this film. So I think a lot of people were expecting something different. Um, Yeah, there was a lot of hype around it. And I think it's one of those unfortunate things that happens when there's so much hype that you... um, your expectations just gradually start to increase, even just like subconsciously. So then when you see something and you're like... I you're like almost already inclined. It's like a weird teeter totter. Yeah. You're almost like inclined to dislike it, or at least be like, oh, I didn't really see what the hype was about, but I enjoyed it. But there's still that caveat of like, of like, eh, yeah. You know? So they, yeah. So it it was an interesting thing of yeah. I I remember the the media blitz for this movie. You I couldn't don't escape at all. it. I remember hearing about it, but I don't I don't remember like specifically yeah it is considered one of the most successful and one of the first cases of viral marketing which is so so cool because it was before social media yes so they created a website Mm -hmm. which was again a thing that movies didn't really have in 99 
you occasionally would get one here and there, but they created a website entirely about this. And if you look at it, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna show it to you real quick. Is it still is it still up? Um, it's still functional. It's still today. up as is, like as yeah. it was in. Okay. And so the first thing it plays is the text over the movie. Yeah. But you see how like simple this is. It looks like those old like paranormal forums or whatever. So it just has four headers. Mythology, Mythology the filmmakers, the aftermath, and the legacy. Yeah. So it's just this very basic. Oh my god! And it literally, website. yeah, it literally looks like a live journal, guys. Yeah, it's, it's just, so it's, cool, right? We'll we'll link it, but it's just it's blairwitch.com. Yeah, um, that's literally it. Cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I think piggybacking off of that, mm-hmm. this kind of feeds into proving my point about the film, which is it was way ahead of its time. It, it, just in, yeah, and just I think so that much. That, I think that that is why it wasn't received as well. I think it went over a lot of people's heads or like I was trying to put myself back into that time of horror. Yeah. Like if I were this age at that time, what would I have thought? And with it being so ahead of its time, I understand because what what we had gotten in the 10, 9, 10 years leading up to that movie coming out was like Silence of the Lambs, you had um, Sleepy Hollow, you had Candyman, you had It, you had, what was the other one? We had Scream, um, yeah. but that's that's just kind of a funny one to me. But we had like The Ring, we had Anaconda, we had like countless others. I know what you did last summer. We mm-hmm. had just like all of these in your face like movies that were, and Chucky. Yeah, we just had all these movies that were in your face scary yeah like and and that's what people were thinking that they were thinking that this was going to be beyond that when it really was just like different right and i think that that's also why a lot of things went over people's heads in a way But, but then there also were some people who like really got it and felt like it was you know was the scariest thing of all time for sure um and what plays into that is you believing that it's real or that it could be real. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing with found footage. That's what found footage um, relies on. So when you don't have that, a lot of it is lost. Right. And it's so fascinating to me because this is not the first found footage film. No, definitely not. It is probably the most famous other than, say, Cannibal Holocaust, which is traditionally considered to be the very first one. Yeah. There's also a movie from 1989 called UFO Abduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was made for about $6,500 and was supposed to be a home video recording of an 83 alien invasion in Connecticut during a birthday party. Mm-hmm. I, I have tried to find that movie before. It is very difficult to get your hands on, mm-hmm. but I've always wanted to see it. Totally. But yeah, I think Cannibal Holocaust would be the only other one that happened before this that anybody knew anything about. Yeah. Now, of course, after this, we get found footage. We get both VHSs. We get, I mean, any even of, even paranormal activity can stems from the Blair Witch Project in a absolutely, way. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a hundred percent that. That's exactly yeah. what it's supposed to be. It's a it's a full ripoff of found footage, but made by a major studio. Yeah, yeah. It that's... is funny. The uh, the cre- the directors have talked shit on <laughs> paranormal activity mm. so much after. Uh, just because they're like, people always want to interview them about it because they're like, oh, well, you kind of started this trend. They're like, yeah, but we did it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And anyone who thinks that this 
movie isn't completely terrifying. I think, again, like what I was saying, it's the argument of seeing the monster versus not seeing the monster. Right. That would have totally ruined this if we had seen anything. But that's what people wanted based on what was popular up until that point. They wanted to see, you know, the girl from the ring. They wanted to see it all. They didn't really want to infer or, or feel that creepiness that um, is just inherently there. Like, in my opinion, hearing the sound is often scarier than what's like making the sound. I agree. Right? And that's kind of the mind fuck that happens when you're like in the dark and you're camping and stuff. Right. It could just be a deer. It could just be a squirrel, yeah. you know? But the sound itself is fucking scary. Yes. And, and yeah, it's, I, I mean, I've been camping a good amount of times and I've been out in the woods a lot and it's, never ever like an easy breezy time uh the slightest sound well you're just in, you're sends in, you you're into in another domain yeah you're not in your own territory you're you are you are the trespasser in that scenario yeah you are in like nature has you completely in its wraps yeah you know yeah it's yeah i i, I absolutely love the fact that it's just so isolated in this mm-hmm. and that it is so ice you you feel isolated as the viewer and a lot of that yeah. is achieved by having it all be point of view right totally. as found fo- as most found footage is especially good found footage like creep and it's disorienting yes that's the main thing number one highlight it bold it you know like that yes. um star it it's it's disorienting and that is what helps you along with this incredibly creepy eerie scary story and it's interesting because the title character, the Blair Witch, mm-hmm. is what you're thinking about the whole time. Yeah. But honestly, for me, the real terror is that they're basically. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with something a little left field here, but but stick with me. I'm ready you know for that, a journey. You know that episode of SpongeBob where Squidward gets trapped in like basically purgatory. He's like in oh, the white yeah. room, and yeah. like you see like kind of the trippy like letters that come up of him like talking. Yeah, and when stuff. he goes to the future, but it goes way too far into the future. The future. <laughs> um, that's what this movie feels like to me. Interesting. You can't. So they're basically trapped in a room together, and because yes, they're outside, they're in the woods, but they can't get out, and yeah. they're going in a circle because. I mean, I don't know if it's the witch messing with the compass. I don't know if it's just... I don't know what the control is here. I don't think it matters. What matters is that they are essentially trapped in a box together. Yeah. And it and the mental toll that that takes on them, they each have a moment where they fucking flip out. Yes. And that's the real terror, is that they are trapped in a small room together, and they're having to deal with each other's psyches. Mm. And it's that traumatizing thing of just like we're going we're we think we're getting out, we think we're getting out, and you're just going in circles. Oof, yeah. So it's it's created some sort of weird like continuum in a way, and that to me is scarier than the Blair Witch. That's such an interesting theory. Well, it also it also completely disarms them. Like mm-hmm. if you know, there there clearly is something going on in that house that they found yeah. in the end. Clearly, there's something there, and the Blair Witch is very, like, the presence is very real. But it disarms them completely because their mental capacity has gone down to negative 100. You know, like, <laughs> they they just can't, 
they're not thinking straight. They, they're, they're hungry. They're cold. Yeah. All of their resources are stripped from them. And all of their sanity by the end of this is pretty much stripped. I agree. Yeah, it's interesting. This is another movie where cigarettes come into play and what that means when you run out of them. Yeah, there so is that that really, yeah. When Josh is having his breakdown, he asks if anyone has a cigarette and they're like, no, we're all out. We've been out. And he's like, we're all out. And then later, Mike finds some in the bottom of his pack. Mm-hmm. Of his, of his backpack yeah and it's so it's this it's after josh has disappeared too mm-hmm. and so it's such this interesting thing was mike hoarding or was he just like crazy like but like i think you're right the real enemy in this i mean it is the blair witch causing it but the real enemy is their own minds which mm-hmm. we've talked about with the descent and with uh, antarctic journal yeah that clearly there is something happening in all three of these movies but that's not where the fear comes from yeah um, I've I've said I've been on record as saying a bunch of times that the descent would be a much better movie if there were no creatures. Agreed. Yeah, I think that it's that's funny a, we talk about that movie all the time, but we haven't covered it yet. Oh yeah, we haven't, have we? Oh well, um, we've but in, but referenced in, it a lot. Yeah, though. yeah. And then uh, when we talked about Antarctic Journal, like that's what we talked it's about is that similar it's similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just people going crazy, or is there something more? Yeah. And it's inherently scary because you're not in your element, like I was saying. Yeah. And the and getting lost somewhere like that is something that a lot of people can relate to, which is where this movie definitely scores. Yeah, it's oh man, it's I can't I just can't go on about, enough about how great this movie really, really is. I I just love this every single time, and it is because I'm watching these three kids go crazy in the woods yeah and i just i think their performances were so fantastic and so real um which of course came from how this movie was made yeah i heard it was like very um kind of accidentally method like they were getting woken up at like random times they like weren't they were definitely sleep deprived um they were basically they felt they it felt real to them yeah so basically all of the dialogue was improvised yeah so especially and and maybe most notably heather's final final monologue i'm sorry to everyone i was very naive what is that i'm scared to close to clo- i'm scared to close my eyes i'm scared to open them we're going to die out here and it's this just really really poignant moment and she just completely improvised all of that as for you know everybody else they would the directors and so so i mentioned the cinematographer right Mm -hmm. he basically just gave them like a two-day crash course in how to film things Mm -hmm. and then sent them off and he would set up the shots he'd say like hey here's xyz that you need to capture today and the director would say here's xyz plot points that you need to hit today here's your motivation for today so with uh with mike the one who starts cracking up first right Originally, it was going to be him who disappeared first, but uh, because Josh and Heather were fighting a lot, the directors said, "You know what? We're going to get jo- we're going to get rid of Josh first. So Mike said that day. My note said, "When everybody goes to bed tonight, stay awake, and once you're sure they're asleep, leave the tent. If anybody wakes up, tell them you're going to take a piss." Sorry, that was Josh who got that note. Oh, okay. So it had been scripted that Mike was going to disappear first, oh. and then they switched it and just only told Josh. To just like fuck off in the middle of the night. And so Heather and Mike, the actors, thought that that was going to be the end of the movie. Oh. And they were like, so (laughs) Josh said that he ran into like, he found a bunch of the crew and they're like, all right, you're dead, dude. And they took him to get a really nice meal at Denny's. (laughs) 
Denny's. Oh my God. That's yeah. the one with the Grand Slam, right? I loved getting a Grand yeah. Slam from Denny's. Yum. So yeah, the production of this that led to this sort of accidental method thing you're talking about. Not just that it was improvised, but really Which having them get into their characters. In case nobody knows what method acting is, it's basically like if you're playing a character who is a drug addict, you would go and like take drugs so that you would know. Yeah, or live amongst druggies. Or Yeah, you would like, you would immerse yourself in what their life is. It's it's right. kind of a wild tactic to me or or a technique i don't even know if you can i don't know if i believe it's a technique personally i think it's just people being idiots yeah i i don't i don't love it but that's basically what it means is you immerse yourself in their circumstances instead of pulling from your own yeah yeah you know like that famous quote says you could just act it (laughs) yeah (laughs) you don't have to go build a log cabin with your own hands daniel day lewis yeah weirdo so anyway, they did actually spend all of their time in the woods. They shot this for eight days, right? They got 20 hours of footage Wow! that they had to cut down originally to two and a half. And eventually the final runtime of this movie is 86 minutes. Tedious. It's why it took two years to edit this. <laughs> they shot this in October 97. Wow. So they were, the actors were sleeping in tents and they were eating less and less food each day, just as if they would. Just as they would have if they were on a real camping trip and gotten lost. Yeah. So that is sort of the method part of this. Heather's like, yeah, we didn't have skin squirrels or anything. Just kind of like a daily use park. We had to stop shooting for families to go pass on their bikes and stuff like that. Josh Leonard said he was probably too stoned to be scared. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently one night it just like rained all day and they couldn't get the, the three actors couldn't get a hold of the directors and they wouldn't sleep in their tents. So they had to try and make for a road and knock on the first door. Uh, knock on the door of the first house they saw. Uh, apparently, the people there were just like, "Oh, um, yeah, you can come in and like give." A, you know, they gave him some co- uh, some hot cocoa, and they ended up finding a hotel and staying there for the night, and had to find the directors the next day. Oh my god, these directors were really trying to leave them out. Yeah. So there's all of the stuff that they had to do. Like the way that they shot this movie is that they were shooting in Germantown, Maryland, and they basically said the actors had the, had the cameras filming each other 100 percent of the time. And they gave them a GPS thing to guide them to 35 millimeter film canisters that had directions inside. And they would like, it would be marked with like flags or milk crates or whatever. And the actors would put their footage in there, pick up the food they'd left them and the directing notes they'd left them. And then they would just have to go off again to the next one. And their whole journey through this woods was just directed by GPS locations to like pre left food and film crates. Yeah. So like these notes that they would get would say things like, Heather, you're absolutely sure to get out of this mess. You go south. Don't take no for an answer. Or Josh, somewhere along the way today, you've had it with this bullshit. And they had the complete freedom to decide how to play that. They also... the dir- kind of like a weird video game in a way. It totally is. It's an open world video game. Yeah. So they also would have... The, the crew would pull like gags is what they called it during the night. So those shots inside the tents are their real reactions because they would play children's voices over like a boombox or they would come up and shake the tent. You know what? Now, after I hear all this, part of me is like, I think them not working that much again is probably a choice. Yeah. This sounds awful. (laughs) Like, awful. Yeah, it was such an interesting thing. It just like, I, I, I am never someone who wants to do a project like this. Like I talked about on our evil dead episodes, I 
I don't know how much I think torturing your actors is necessary. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes, I'm against it for personal reasons. Yeah. And I'm against it as a director. I've, I've been in productions where people were trying to, you know, Kubrick it or Hitchcock it, right? Mm-hmm. Where they really want you to just go, 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 feel, 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 feel. I, I really just don't think that it's that good of a technique, but then I keep getting proven wrong, you know? Right, like there's definitely is uh, some form of authenticity in their performances that I don't know. I do. I go back and forth on this. Like again, I don't. I don't practice method acting, and I don't appreciate method acting. In just because I think it's. I think actors aren't treated as humans in the first place for a lot of people. Generally speaking, yeah. Generally speaking, and I think that that just kind of further like. It, it dehumanizes them in a way. Yeah, we've um, seen a lot of examples of that. Yeah, and I think it's really, I think it's a really tough thing. It's not caring about the human behind the character. Um, 100%. So I'm against that for like obvious, you know, personal reasons. But but again, there is a, there is a certain level of authenticity here that's shown in this movie that mm-hmm. is, you know, it's credible. Yeah. So, it's interesting, you know, it's the one good thing I can say is they did have a safe word for when they needed to just like stop. Pineapple. Uh, close. Taco. Damn. <laughs> but they no, are uh, hungry. Same. That's actually what they said. They said they were they would use the word and then they just kept getting hungrier and hungrier because they kept talking about ta- tacos. Get a taco in a second. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's most of what I have to say about this film. I, I think it is so underrated in a certain way. And I think it was because, you know, a lot of people have said this, but it got too big and it started being cool to hate it. Yeah, there but, is that. But yeah. I remember friend of the pod, uh, James Kelso was my uh, like after school counselor when mm-hmm. I was younger. And eventually we ended up working together and all of that. And he's an amazing musician. Teebs, love him to death. Fantastic, fantastic man. But he would always tell us like spooky stories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like to the older kids, once the younger kids were kind of gone or away, he would tell like the fifth and sixth graders like spooky, scary stories. And he, I remember him telling me this story and not knowing, like I knew that it existed. Mm-hmm. But to, you know, my nine year old mind when it came out, it was for sure real it was a documentary to me i think i was still stuck on um the the tale of like bloody mary that was the school bus you know talk so i i don't i i remember hearing about the blair witch and like it it kind of when you're when you're a kid who like it's not on your radar because i I was always just like well my mom wouldn't let me see that anyway so it would be like in one ear out the other but like i like you said i think it was inescapable i think you would i definitely have always known what it was you yeah. know and it was one of those things that i remembered because bloody mary was definitely something with that too but james would always tell us these really cool stories and i remember him describing the story but telling mm-hmm. it as if it was his own and especially because i lived in nashville when i was a kid and uh, just outside of nashville we have the bell witch right a very famous local legend and so I conflated the two in my mind and I thought I lived near where the Blair Witch right, was. Yeah. And so it was even more terrifying. But I remember him telling me about like the, the kid in his in the corner with his nose there. And ugh, yeah, it's spooky. <laughs> he was such a wonderful storyteller that it just really, really landed. Well, again, that's what this uh, movie banks on is um, if since it's been out for forever, it's kind of suspending your disbelief and just kind of fighting with yourself to be like, you know, this is real. This is real. Yeah. Um, 
Because that's how a lot of people experienced it in the 90s. So it's kind of just one of those you have to transport yourself back. I know it's like, it's difficult, but this movie also does a really great job again of um, having the feeling of just being completely authentic in what Mm -hmm. is, is... happening in the reactions from the actors, etc. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those things I really love because I think, I mean, again, like you said, it's kind of interesting that most of the people didn't work again that much after this. That's why I think it might be by choice. Yeah, I mean, I know Heather Donahue works in like pot farming now. Dope. And only one of them is still like actively working. Mm-hmm. But it kind of works because like they were listed as deceased on IMDb during this. Their parents started getting like, phone condolence calls and things like that. I wonder, was there ever like a contract that was like, you, you can, you can never act again. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're trying to make this as real as possible guys. You have to disappear. Well, they talked about, they've all talked about that, that it was really hard, especially Heather Donahue was talked about that. It's really hard to get a job for them after this Mm -hmm. because they were seen as these sort of, the people conflated the character with the actor because they had the same name. And so they're like, Oh, that's what you do. That's who you are. That's what you're like. That's true. That really is the definition of like putting yourself in a box. Yeah. And it, I don't think they, any of them meant to. I mean, they were all just no, like, they, they answered just, a fucking newspaper ad to do this. They were all trying to be actors. I was at the about time. to say, like you, you, you get, you get what you get, you mm-hmm. know, like, especially when you're first starting out, you can't really be picky with scripts. And if, you know, you just want to do your thing, then you respond to whatever's open. Yeah. Right. Like, but it also makes this movie easier to watch as real. Mm-hmm. As in fact being a documentary, because you don't know their faces except from this, right? You haven't yeah. seen them around generally. And so I think that that is something that really helps me transport myself to the world of this Agreed. film. Agreed. If it was, if it was like, I, I, cause of Heather, I'm thinking like, if it was like fucking like Heather Graham in yeah. the, in the lead position, it, it would just not yeah. really translate Alicia Silverstone somebody like yeah. that who would have yeah. been in this like uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt who was in a bunch of totally uh, horror movies yeah. like any of those could have easily been a get for them it was but, smart to go with people who you know were actors but weren't yeah were were still like working their way up in the game as yeah they were all just say. like improv workshop kids totally and so I think it really, really did land because of that. And it continues to land because of that. It's not like when you watch, I mean, Creep still lands, but it's, you know, uh, fucking, um, what's his name's face? Yes. I know who you're talking about. Mark Duplass. Yes. Sorry. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. You recognize Mark Duplass, you know, his face and he has a, he has one of those faces that's very like sincere. Mm-hmm. He has like an earnest face. I think it's something people say, but I still know who he is. I still know I've seen him in a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. I see him in, you know, on Twitter or in the news or whatever. So it's not like I can watch Creep and go like, I don't know who that person is. This must actually be real. Mm-hmm. And so with that, that's that's really just what I'm going to get. I'm going too long on this one point, but I think that's something that helps me remember or like helps me dive into the world of this movie. I agree. I agree. It's, it's very isolating as a viewer as well, which is um, very... Very, uh, it was a good move on their part. Absolutely. They did it. They they created that world very well. And yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else going on with this movie just because it's kind of been talked to death. Yeah, it's been like the talk. It's it's been the talk of the town for you know years. So <laughs> it's like everyone has their own personal experience with it. It's one of those films. It's Absolutely. You're, you're never going to come across someone who's like, Oh, I've never, I've never heard of that. What is that? Yeah. It's, you know, everyone has their own personal experience with it, which I think is really special. And 
it's withstood a test of time because it was ahead of its time. That's yes. kind of my thesis statement on this is that people are still talking about it because it was ahead of its time. There was even that um, awful movie Blair Blair Witch that came God, out that was like sequel. supposed to be like this. Yeah. And it was God awful. But but it means that people are still inspired by it. People yeah. are still talking about it. And it didn't come out incredibly too long ago in the grand scheme of things it was but, four years yeah but still it was it, it's it's been around long enough to know that it probably will still be those uh, that movie that like kids in middle school you yeah. know like go to each other's basements or whatever and try to watch <laughs> it be like oh who gets the scared is who pees their pants Ugh. yeah you know who hides under a blanket yeah who covers their eyes and their ears and whatever Fuck but kids they're the if, worst <laughs> uh we remember the times um, but yeah, that's kind of my thesis statement on this is that it's it, it was way ahead of its time and it was so in so many ways in the way of the um, virtual advertising in the way of just becoming a complete phenomenon that everyone was talking about. And, yeah, you know, the whole there is no bad publicity sort of thing, even if even if people are saying, oh, it's not worth the hype, you're still probably going to go see it to see if you if how you personally feel about it. 100%. So. Yeah, that's that's kind of my closing thesis statement on this. Yeah, um, I will fight f- for this movie to the death. This is like one of those hills I choose to die on. Yeah, is that this is totally a genuinely fair. very very well made film. Yeah, um, I have nothing but love for it. I've never had anything but love for it. I definitely mocked it, you know, when I was a teenager because it was cool too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it has stuck with me for the last twenty some years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's. Because I remember it coming out. I remember seeing the trailer before Star Wars when I was nine and not seeing the film itself, obviously, but until I was in, you know, middle or high school, sometime like that. And then I couldn't sleep for days after watching this. I oh, definitely yeah. slept with the lights on the first time I watched this. And I've seen it so many times since. And it still resonates with me. It's one of those movies that really does just chill me to my core because it's so well crafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, See? that's everything I've got to say on this. I think that's it. Uh, you know where to find us on Instagram. We're at Horror Babes Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Horror Babes Pod. And our website, as always, is horrorbabespod.com. Till next time. Bye, Bye babes. babes.